So just a few weeks left of our summer series, Power to Change. I hope it's been encouraging, and I hope we've learned something from the Word as we've gone through the book of Acts and taken a look at specific instances where lives were dramatically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we are in Acts 27. We're jumping towards the end of the book. There's only 28 chapters in Acts, and so I'm going to do a two-part in chapter 27, and then we'll wrap it up in chapter 28. And uh, in the fall, we'll be starting a new series. We'll announce that as we get to it. But here's the introduction. The Apostle Paul had been falsely accused of breaking both Jewish tradition and Roman law. Accused of sedition, accused of stirring up a revolt, accused of breaking the, uh, the traditions and the protocols of the Hebrew temple. They said he brought a Gentile into the temple, which was a big no-no during those days. And in fact, he did not do that, but he was falsely accused on a couple of serious fronts. And he was hauled before the governor, and basically they were trying to have him uh, thrown in jail or even killed. So after defending himself before the Judean governor Festus and King Agrippa and the sister Bernice, he appealed to present his case before Caesar. So now he's saying, hey, I've got a case, I'm a Roman citizen, I appeal to Caesar. And that was his right as a Roman citizen, even though he was Jewish, but he was a dual citizen, kind of like me. I'm Canadian and American, so I have dual citizenship. Paul had dual citizenship as well. And so it was his right to appeal before Caesar, and if they granted that appeal, he could be sent to Rome. And they did. They granted his appeal, so now he has to travel with other prisoners to go and stand trial. And this is where we pick up the story here in Acts 27, beginning with verse 14. Now, this is what it says. But not long after, a temptuous headwind arose called Eurycliden. So he was on what was probably a grain vessel, and they were going along uh, the coast there trying to withstand the storm. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clara, we secured the skiff with difficulty. So they're pulling the skiff up and getting it on the boat. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground on the Sirtis sands, they struck sail and were so driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. And why do they say it that way? I personally think it's like normally you don't throw your tackle overboard. That's a last-ditch effort. But they said we intentionally threw it overboard to lighten the ship so we wouldn't die. Then it says, Now when the sun, neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small tempest beat on us. In other words, it was a huge tempest, a huge storm. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So they didn't see the sun or the moon, or stars, that's like a thick, heavy uh, system, right? A huge hurricane storm that's beating down where it just covers everything. You don't know if it's day, if it's night. All you see are dark clouds, heavy rain, huge, humongous winds, and they were fearing for their lives. All hope was now gone. But after long abstinence from food, why do you not eat food when the boat is being tossed? Because you can't keep it down. After a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Man, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, 
for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. That's good news for all the sailors and all the prisoners, bad news for the person who owned the ship. Because the ship's going to be destroyed, but the sailors and the crew will live. Lord, I pray that over the next few moments, open up our hearts and minds. Help us to understand what you're trying to tell us. Lord, enlighten your word to our hearts and help us then to apply the principles that we learn in a practical way that we would live the way you've called us to live. Pleasing to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. So I love the story of Paul on the ship. And we're doing part one now. We'll do part two next week. But how many people like to go out on boats? Let me see all the sailors out there. I know that Paul, brother, my brother right here, he was a sailor for many years, and, uh, and he could tell you some stories, I'm sure. And, and so I remember when I was a kid, we had a little speedboat growing up, and it was just a small little craft. I grew up in uh, Washington State for part of my life, but I was actually born in Vancouver, B.C., and my dad was Canadian, my mom was American, so we pastored both sides of the border, my dad also being a pastor. But during our time in Bellingham, we had this little speedboat, and I remember when we go out onto the lake, probably Lake Wacom, uh, when my dad was starting to get the speed up, I remember getting scared as a little kid, like six, seven years old, and say, too fast, too fast, because he loved to get it going. Now, the older I got, the more fast I wanted to go. And after a while, I like to drive the boat, and let's get the RPMs up. But as a little kid, I remember I was scared. Well, these were adults in this vessel, but if you get a big enough storm, I don't care how experienced you are, how old you are, how brave you are, you know when things are dire. You know when there's no hope to be found that you're going to die out there on the ocean. And that was the state that they were in. But point number one this morning is this. The Lord protects his own. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You believe in the, the protective hand of God, the providential hand of God in their life. And, and there's something I want to just dig into a little bit here. You see, Paul and the others were sailing on the Mediterranean Sea, likely in this small grain vessel, which were very common in the day, near the end of sailing season. Why is this important? Between mid-September to mid-November, it was dangerous for boats to be out on the water. Things were getting rough. And then once you got from November until February, the water channels were closed. They did not recommend it. Nobody would go on sail because now you're doing the winter time, the worst time to be out on the sea. But they were towards the end of regular sailing season, probably in this September to November where it was dangerous. And Paul warned them, whether or not it was divine warning or maybe just his experience because he'd been on a lot of boats, he'd done a lot of traveling, and he said, men, we shouldn't take this voyage, but they didn't listen. They wanted to get the job done, and sure enough, they found themselves in dire straits. And no, it's not the rock band. So they found themselves in this horrible storm. Now, Psalm 91, 9-11, I love this. If you ever wonder, is God really watch out for us? Does he protect us? Does he keep his hand upon us? This is what Psalm 91 says. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Praise the Lord. Amen? 
you might say, well, Pastor Scott, I, I believe that, but yet still, on occasion, bad things happen to good people. But here's the clincher, only what God allows. And if he allows it, he's got a way to work it for good, to grow your faith, to grow your character, to bring you closer to him, and he promises to see us through those storms. Yes, we go through storms. Paul was in the midst of a literal storm right here, a physical storm. But God still had his hand upon him. He protected him, and he brought him through. So we need to understand this. The Lord may allow us to go through some storms, may allow us to go through some storms. We'll try that again. But he is with us in the storm. Amen? He is with you. He never leaves or forsakes you. That's what he promised Joshua after he took over from Moses. I mean, the great patriarchal leader of the children of Israel. God used them to, you know, have the plagues come over Egypt. Let my people go. All these things happen. You know, part in the Red Sea. The great, awesome Moses who wrote basically the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And then he dies right at the brink of crossing the Jordan of the Promised Land. And now his right-hand man, Joshua, had to inherit this job. But God promises, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Be courageous, do not fear. Just follow my word. Do not deter to the left or to the right. Obey it in everything you do, and you will be successful. I will not leave you or forsake you. I am with you wherever you go. Praise the Lord. And that promise is for us. As he is with the children of Israel, he's with us. You might say, well, Pastor Scott, that was the Old Testament. But how does that pertain to us as New Testament Christians? Well, Galatians chapter 3 says, all the promises for the children of Israel are for us if we are in Christ. So as he was with them, now we've been grafted in the vine. He is with us because God never changes. We are all his children if we follow the Lord. Amen? So we inherit those same promises to protect us, to be with us, to guide and direct us. So even though we go through the storms, he is with us in that storm. He is our protector. He is our mighty fortress. And he does give us his guardian angels. And an angel appeared to Paul. And he said, don't worry, you've got to go to Rome. Not only am I going to save you, but everyone who is with you. You ever like to be with a big guy that, you know, you don't have to worry. This person is going to protect me. When I traveled in full-time music uh, years ago when I was a young man, we would go into big cities like Chicago and New York. And I might have shared this before, but our bus driver was more than just a bus driver. He actually was a registered nurse. In fact, he had all kinds of nursing staff that were under his supervision in, I believe it was Loma Linda Hospital in California. He was a pilot. Uh, he was one of these entrepreneurial uh, guys. He was a renaissance man. He could do all kinds of things. And he decided to drive the bus kind of for fun because he liked the heritage singers. He believed in the ministry. He had all kinds of money. He didn't need the money. But he wanted to do it to support the ministry, and he liked driving bus. And his name was Arnie, and he was a big guy, about 6'2", 6'3", maybe, and just broad, like built like a truck. And so when we go down to New York and go to these inner cities, and we're pulling out our speakers and our cords, and we're in sketchy neighborhoods, as long as big Arnie was there, we didn't have anything to worry about. It's like, just let's stay close to this guy, and nobody's going to mess with you. Well, it's kind of like these people now on the boat Paul has been promised safekeeping. So as long as we stay with Paul, we're all going to be saved. However, if we try to bail, if we try to jump ship, then you're on your own. But when we stay close to the person who has the hand of God on his life, you know, it's the same with our Savior. Stay close to Jesus. He is the light. He is the power source. 
So we tap into that through prayer and praise and reading his word, keeping close to Jesus every day by that intimate time with him. Amen? So you get powered up. You spend time daily with the Lord, so he empowers you. That's what Isaiah 40 says. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And we need that every day. And so they were staying close, and they believed in the word. They believed in Paul's testimony, and God had a plan. Now, number two is this. The Lord provides wisdom and direction. He provides protection, and he provides direction. In the midst of this crisis, God sent an angel to inform Paul that he was meant to travel to Rome to see Caesar. And he promised that everything, or everyone in the boat would be safe. That's pretty neat. You, you know, your life is in danger. You don't know if at any point this boat could just come apart because of the horrendous storm. And yet God not only provides promise of safety, but he also gives him direction. Now, I'm going to protect you, but I'm also going to let you know what's happening next. You are meant to go to Rome. You see, Paul was human. We always think that the disciples were these supernatural guys that never questioned their faith, that never wondered, did I make the right choice, that never struggled in their life. But that's not what the Word tells us. In fact, Paul would encourage the New Testament believers to pray for me. Pray for me that I'll be a good witness. He coveted the prayers of his brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other, amen? And yes, some are more mature than others spiritually, and some have been walking with the Lord longer. But all of us, we need each other, the prayer support, the encouragement. And, and I wonder if Paul might have wondered, is this, was this really the right choice? You know, I probably could have resolved this back in front of King Agrippa when I was pleading my case and stating my innocence, but I, I hailed to go to Caesar, right? I, I said, I've got to go to Caesar. I'm taking my case to him. And now I'm on this boat about ready to die. Was this really the right choice? Anybody ever wonder that? Lord, did I hear your voice correctly? But in the times when we need it most, God gives us direction. He confirms his word. He confirms his will. And so he led Paul and let him know that, yes, you're on the right track. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, very popular passage of scripture. Many of you know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's our faith in him and in his word. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure it out on your own because we have limited abilities. Our minds are finite. His is infinite. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He directs you day by day. He provides wisdom and direction. Uh, I remember years ago when I was a kid growing up in Bellingham, Washington, and we would go camping, and uh, we had a little travel trailer. Now, we went through the different phases of family vacation trailers and transportation. So it starts with a little tent or a pup tent. I remember we had a StarCraft pup tent trailer. You know, you know what those are. They're a great little camping rig. Or if you want to go hunting, simple, easy to set up. And then we went to a, a, a bigger trailer, a full hard shell trailer. And ultimately we worked up to a motorhome where we had a motorhome. And that was a big deal for the Petersons. And, uh, and then we sold that, my folks sold that, and we went back to a tent for some reason. So it went full cycle. I don't know if they were tightening the belt financially or what happened, but all of a sudden that was gone. But this was in kind of the middle stage where we had a little tent, uh, uh, a regular travel trailer, and uh, we were parked in a, probably a KOA campground, they're very popular in the States, and uh, it was just me and my brother, and my mom and dad, I don't think my younger brother was even born at this time. But um, 
we had been out, and there was a picnic table right outside the trailer, so you can you bring your lunch out there, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and my dad had gone away. He was probably on a walk, and my brother was gone too, so it was just myself and my mother, and she was in cooking in the little camp stove and our little trailer, and my dad was, was away, and I was sitting on the picnic table, and all of a sudden, I hear this, whoa, and I look over, and there's this huge flame billowing up from the camp stove. It was on fire, something that caught on fire, and not just a little fire, a big fire. It was shooting up. Flames were shooting up, and you know travel trailers, they're not built to last. They can go up in about five minutes, and it can be ashes, and uh, my mother was frantic for a moment, but she had good thinking. She had good direction. There was a big basket of laundry right next to it, and she grabbed it and just punked it down and smothered the fire. I said, oh. Now, the underwear may not have made it, but the travel trailer survived, and we were able to live to tell the tale. And so she thought quick on her feet, and she used wisdom. She used wisdom. And you know what? When we have our issues, when we have our problems, when we have our trials, God gives us wisdom when we need it most. He also gives us direction, but sometimes you need to make those right choices. And what does James chapter 1 says? If anybody lacks wisdom, ask the Lord who gives what? Liberally and without reproach. He's not going to chastise you for asking. He's glad you came and asked. When my sons come for me from time to time and say, Dad, what do you think of this? You know, they're adults now. They're grown up in their 20s. I'm still glad that every once in a while they want a little advice from the old man, and hopefully I give them some sound advice. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that they came to me. I'm more than happy to help any way I can. That's the way our Heavenly Father is with us. Amen? But ask Him. Don't try to figure it out just on your own. Yes, He gives you a mind to use, and He gives you experiences to be able to employ into those situations, but make sure that you invite him into every situation. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Trust not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will direct your path. He gives you wisdom. He gives you direction. And he led Paul, and he confirmed that he was meant to go to Rome. Now, wisdom comes through the word and the Holy Spirit. I want us to get this this morning. Wisdom comes through the word, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit, that still small voice speaking into your heart, that's the Holy Spirit of God living in you, right? And, and Romans tells us the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? He dwells in you. If you ask Jesus to be your Lord, His Holy Spirit comes and lives within every Christian believer. And He never leaves or forsakes you. So He is in us. So the Spirit and the Word, that's how we get wisdom. Direction, though, is a little bit different. Direction comes by serving Jesus daily, trusting and obeying day by day, and then watching and taking the opportunities that he opens up in your life. See, wisdom and direction, they're two things that complement one another. They overlap, but they're also distinct. Wisdom, we know, comes from the Word. Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, by honoring God, by listening to Him, by reading and applying His Word. That's wisdom and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. But, but direction, how do we know when he's directing us? You ever wonder that? I mean, we've just been here. Can you believe we've only been here not even three months yet? It seems much longer than that. And I think that's a good thing because I'm already growing to know you and you're growing to know us and we're building relationships and building friendships and this feels like home in Prince George. It's only been two and a half months. That's crazy. But we prayed a lot for wisdom and direction. 
to make sure that we're making the right choice. But we had to be watching for the hand of God and how he operates, because, again, he is involved in our life. Amen? So he orchestrates the events of our life. He opens and closes doors. And uh, I might have said, boy, I'd really like to go to Prince George, but the door wasn't open. That's not God, because he's saying no. But the door was open. Okay, there's an open door, but now about the peace, now about the confirmation. What about the other circumstances? He has to work all things together for good, and I want to see his hand at work. And we did. And he confirmed it again and again, for he knew he was calling us to come here. You see, the Lord, he directs our path. He does that through his word. He does it by his spirit. But he also orchestrates the events of our life. He opens and closes doors. And when he does give you the right door to walk through, he will give you the peace that passes all understanding. And he will make sure all the circumstances fit into place. If something's not happening right, that might just be a red flag that you need to examine and pray about. Because God clears the path when you're following his will. Amen? I've seen it again and again. He gives you a clear path. So he provides wisdom. He provides direction. And direction comes by serving him, by trusting in him, and watching his hand at work, and taking the opportunities that he opens up, and making sure that his peace accompanies those good choices. Number three, finally, the Lord puts us where we can witness and encourage others. Did you know that? He puts us where we can witness and encourage others. Paul took the opportunity in a desperate situation to proclaim that he served the Lord. I don't want us to miss that, because when he was sharing with the prisoners what God had told him, he actually said, the God whom I serve sent an angel. He could have just said, God sent an angel. But no, he said, no, the God who I serve, he sent an angel, and he promised that we're all going to be okay. You see, we need to take the God-given opportunities to stand up and speak up for the Lord. Amen? It's okay to do that. I've been in situations where it's been really weird, and I've told you about a couple of those situations, whether it's a car accident or whether I'm in the, the local uh, aquatic center, and I'm, I'm in the sauna and we get into conversation. If I can see a little door of opportunity and it's appropriate, uh, I'll take it. I'll try to take it and just plant a seed or two and talk a little bit about the Lord because God will give you those opportunities and you never know how those things are going to do. When I was traveling in that group I told you about, they were just looking at the picture in my office. I was 21 years old. I was really young and really skinny and had a lot of nice thick hair. Boy, those were the days. And a pretty good-looking guy, I must say. I mean, she didn't marry me for nothing. I, I once was attractive years ago. And... Uh, and so when I was traveling in this group, we couldn't, uh, we were always with people, and I might have mentioned this, but it just ties into what we're talking about this morning. We always together, we'd, we'd have hotel rooms, we stayed at night, and they put two per room, and you'd be traveling during the day in the road bus, and then you get to the town, you set up all the gear, lots of gear. We had eight speakers, imagine that sound, guys, eight huge speakers plus big subs and heavy cables and, and sound boards and all these things, instruments. And so it took several hours to set up, and then we do our concert, and then we tear down. And by the time you get back to the hotel, it's like 11 o'clock at night. You basically just crash. And you get up the next day, and you do it all over again. And, and so you're always with people. So the only time I could be alone with the Lord is once we got the hotel room, and, and we kind of got ready for the night, then I would, 
I could slip in the bathroom and shut the door and have my prayer time. That was my prayer closet. And I wasn't trying to do it for anybody but me. It's, I knew I needed to be, be alone with the Lord and have my regular devotional time. And uh, a fellow from Trinidad, his name was Roger. He was our keyboard player, fantastic keyboard player. Uh, and he would room with me sometimes, and we got to know each other pretty well. And I remember one day we were having lunch, and he said, Scott, you know, you're really an example to me. I'm like, what? How's that? He says, well, I see how you go in there and have your prayer time. And, you know, it makes me realize I need to do better with my prayer time, too. And I just, I, I think that's really cool what you do, and, and that was an encouragement to me. You know, what we do, others see, amen? And I wasn't trying to impress anybody, uh, and it wasn't that impressive. I was just trying to have a, a regular devotional time because we all need it every day. We've got to feed ourselves, have spiritual food, feast on the bread of life. And, uh, but he saw it, and I was able to be an encouragement to him. So whether you live it, we should live it every day. And the old saying that I mentioned last week, witness all the time, use words if necessary, but words are necessary. And our actions speak louder than words, but when you do have an opportunity to speak up, speak up. And, and don't use that as a cop-out. That, everything we say and do, we want to be as a witness and to glorify God and to lift Jesus up and to represent him in a wonderful way. Sometimes we make mistakes, we're going to blow it. How many besides me have made a few mistakes in life? Anybody? Just maybe once in a while. You know, God loves us so much, and he forgives us, and we learn and grow from those things. And just be authentic, be realistic, be transparent. You know what? I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress, but I love Jesus. And Paul knew more than anybody else his imperfections. He says, I've been the chief of all sinners. He admitted the things I don't want to do, sometimes I find myself doing. And the things I want to do, I don't do. But he said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, pressing on for what is ahead, for is the mark of the high calling. And he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He didn't say, follow me because I'm perfect. He said, no, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's do it together. Let's become more like Jesus every day. So the Lord puts us where we can witness and encourage others. Paul took the opportunity in the midst of a horrendous ordeal, a horrendous storm, and he encouraged them, told them that God would save them. And a life directed by God does not experience anything by chance. I want to just leave us with this this morning. If you surrender your life to Jesus, nothing happens by happenstance. Nothing happens just by accident. Oh, God didn't notice that. No, he's already mapped it all out. Isn't that what Ephesians 2.10 says? I've ordained good works for you to do, right? Isaiah 46, I know the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. My purpose will stand. He has a grand master plan. And so when you find yourself in a difficult situation, what do you do? You need to ask yourself, huh, how can God use this for his glory? What's the purpose in this? You know, sometimes it's character building for ourselves, but sometimes it's maybe to encourage others. Paul found himself in this situation that I'm going to encourage them and witness to this crew and let God prove himself to them. Because Paul knew that God would see them through. And if you know the end of the story, he does see them through. They all come out safely. And we'll talk more about that next week. But we get lifted up and we can also lift others up and draw them to Jesus. So a life directed by God does not experience anything by chance. Whatever situation you find yourselves in, Look for ways that God can use you for his glory because he always has a plan.
He's promised to work all things for our good. Amen? Romans 8, 28. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He can work it all for good and build your faith, build others around you, draw them to Jesus, and glorify God. Can we all stand this morning? And Jason, if you could come with the team. Let's all stand as we just bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Praise your name. Praise your name. As Jason just begins to play that last song, I just want to give us an opportunity to respond. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Dear Jesus, we come to you right now, and we thank you, Lord, that you are very real, very present in our lives. Lord, I don't think anybody would be here this morning if it was just tradition for why we gathered, if it was just something to do on a Sunday morning to see some friends and hear some songs. Lord, there's any number of things we could be doing with our day today, but we gather because you've called us to gather in your name. You've called us to come together and worship you and learn from you and strengthen one another in the faith. Why? Because, Lord, you are very real and you are God and worthy to be praised, worthy to be adored. And, Lord, as we grow in you, we learn the kind of life you've called us to live. We're here, Jesus, because we want to worship and lift you up. We're here, Jesus, because we love you and you first loved us. We're here because you said, don't forsake the fellowship of yourselves together. And so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. But to spur one another on towards love and good works. You've got a plan and a purpose, oh God, every day for our lives. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us to live for you. Help us, Jesus, to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you're here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, please, nobody looking around. And you say, Pastor Scott, I heard the message that you preach, and I understood what you're saying. But to be honest with you, sometimes I don't ask him for wisdom and direction. I tend to just take matters into my own hands and deal with the consequences later. Sometimes I get it right, sometimes I get it wrong, but I want to invite the Lord into every arena of my life, my workplace, my family life, my free time, my recreation, my thoughts, my activities, my goals, my dreams. I want to acknowledge him as the Lord of every area and allow him to direct me the way he wants to direct me and to use me the way he wants to use me. If that's you this morning, you need to commit that to him. Let me just see your hand. Slip it up and I'm going to pray for you right where you stand. We'll pray together. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Praise your name. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to pray right along with me in your heart. We're going to dedicate this to the Lord. And if you didn't raise your hand, you can agree right along with us. And let's all make this our prayer together. So dear Jesus, you see every hand that was lifted. Lord, first of all, we thank you that you are King of Kings. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on that cross, but you rose again on the third day. We believe in that. And we believe in you, dear Jesus, as the Son of God, resurrected, alive. And we acknowledge you, dear Jesus, as the Lord right now over every area of our life. Forgive us, O oh God, we pray for our sins. Forgive us, dear Lord, we pray for our mistakes. Forgive us, we pray, dear Jesus, for our shortcomings and not allowing you to rule and reign in every area. We surrender all to you. 
and we invite you to be our Lord, dear Jesus, fully and completely. Lord, help us to remember to ask you for wisdom, to ask you for direction, and we invite you to guide and direct our lives now, Lord, from this day forward and every day, Lord, guide us and use us for your praise, honor, and glory. Lord, use us as lights, as witnesses. Help us to speak the truth in love. Help us to live our faith that they will see you in us, dear Jesus, we pray. Lord, use us, we pray, because we live in a dark world. We live in a, a day and age where there's so much confusion, so much trouble, so much heartache and hopelessness. Jesus, you are the light, and you are the hope, and you are the answer. So, Lord, use us, we pray, as your hands and your feet and your voice to stand up for you, to speak up for you, to live for you day by day. Jesus, use us to reap a harvest field of souls. In Jesus' name, amen.